Good morning. It is so good that you could be with us today. So we're wrapping up uh, the sermon series, May We Be Holy. In Hebrews chapter, chapter 12, it says, Make every effort to live at peace with everyone and to be holy, because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Seems like God takes holiness very, very serious. Last week, we, we looked at the passage of Le- Leviticus 11.44. It's also repeated again in the New Testament, 1 Peter 1.16. Old Testament, New Testament, God takes it serious. Be holy, for I am holy. Not be holy uh, as I am holy. He's not saying you've got to be as God, but be holy for I am holy. Be holy because I'm holy. That's the point. And last week, we looked at that last section of it. Be holy for I am holy. Really, it was talking about the holiness of God. And I admitted to you that, that I don't totally comprehend the holiness of God. My, in my finite mind cannot understand the infinite, unchanging, everlasting, all-powerful, holy, holy, holy God. And if somebody says that they do understand that, run away from that person. Because they don't understand it. How in the world can we live holy lives in such an unholy world? I don't need to tell you that our world is unholy. Just take a drive. Take a drive through Flint, but you don't have to drive through Flint. Drive through Davison. Drive through Flushing. Drive through Swartz Creek. Drive through Fenton, Grand Blank, Owasso, Clio. Did it every place we live? Lapeer, wherever you live. Drive through any of those places. Every turn, you will find unholiness. You will find broken people. You will find people uh, uh, who are hurting and who are troubled and who are messed up. You'll find people who desperately need a holy people of God living before them, the love of Jesus. They desperately need people who love God and love people. That's what we're talking about. And the problem is our enemy comes, tries every trick in the book to, 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 to trip us up, to mess us up, to, to get us to get as close to the line without stepping over the line, stepping over the line, instead of getting us close to the cross. And holiness, be holy for I am holy, is really, is, is really a, a call to be to be like Jesus. It's a call to live our everyday lives uh, with the understanding that they are an offering, they are a a gift before God. Paul talks about it in in Romans chapter 12. I like the way the message version reads Romans 12. He reads it this way. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embrace what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in, fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize that he, what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God wants the best out of you, develops a well-informed maturity in you. I like that. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. It's saying that this holiness, be holy for I am holy, should be a part of our everyday life. It should be an aspect, not 
not, not sometimes here and sometimes there, but everyday, ordinary, regular life. That's what the book of Leviticus is really trying to say. You know, the book of Leviticus talks about holiness more than any other, other book in the Bible. That's where we saw first, you know, be holy for I am holy. In the book of Leviticus, it says that holiness should affect, when you read it, you know, it affects our, our, our eating, our drinking, um, uh, everything about life, what we wear, our relationships, sex, everything. Sometimes you think, ah, oh, there's too much information there. I don't even want all that in the book of Leviticus. Ah! But the point is, just like Paul, it's running throughout all of Scripture that this holiness, this be holy for I am holy, is meant to affect every aspect of our lives. Now, granted, our situation, our circumstance is far different from when the writer of Leviticus was writing Leviticus. Our culture is far different, of course, of course. But what? What if we lived into this? What if we allowed holiness to inform, to impact every aspect of our lives? Not, not, not well, I'm holy here at church. I'm holy when I'm here. Or I'm holy when I'm, you know, spewing off holy platitudes to to somebody. No, what if if every aspect of our lives shows, is impacted by the holiness of God? That we don't compartmentalize our lives to, well, I'm holy here, I'm holy at church, and this is my church life, but then I've got my work life and my school life or my home life or my friend life or whatever. No, what if we just are saying Wherever we go, whatever we're doing, be holy, for I am holy. Not be holy sometimes, be holy always. Last week, again, we reminded you that God is with us. Emmanuel, praise the Lord. God is in us. I got the joy, 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 joy down in our heart. But God is above us. Holy, 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 everlasting, unchanging. And many of us will testify. I've heard you say it. I've got Jesus living in me. Praise the Lord. Well, if Jesus is living in you, this holy, holy God that abhors sin, it should then seem that we would too abhor sin, that we would do everything we can to not be as close to the line, but as close to Jesus. That's what it's talking about here. It's what Paul is talking about in 1 Thessalonians. A familiar passage when he says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. Again, I like the way the message version reads that. It says, may God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole, put together spirit, soul, body, and keeping you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is completely dependable. If he said it, he will do it make you holy and whole. That's what it says. Complete, entirely, sanctified, holy and whole. And if he said it, he will do it. Be holy, for I am holy. That means our dreams, our hopes, our relationships, our our aspirations, our coming and going, our everyday, ordinary, what does it say? Walking around, eating, sleeping, going to work, life. What if that was, what if that reflected Jesus always? This week, my friend Lisa had a colonoscopy, which is, you know, a horrible thing. 
And it's not so much the test, but the preparation for the test. You've had it. If you're over 50, you know, you've had it or you need to. And so she had it. And, and um, you know, she has cancer in other places in her body. And, and the doctors were fairly convinced that she had it in her colon too. In fact, she had three tests and they all said that she had cancer. And so she was having this. And so rightly so, she was nervous about it. And we have a lady in our church who works in that building. And I thought she worked on that floor that, that did it. And so I, I sent her a text. I said, you know, Lisa's going to be coming in tomorrow. She's having a colonoscopy. And if you could just stick your head in there and, you know, say, say hello, that would sure bring her comfort. And so, but the lady, she texted me back. She's a nurse. And she, she texted me back and she said, well, she doesn't work on that floor. In fact, she's very unfamiliar with that floor. But she said this in the text back. She said, but tell Lisa, a praying nurse will be downstairs praying for her. I said, man, that's what, we're, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, living before God in your everyday, ordinary, eating, sleeping, drinking, walking around life, giving it over to, to God Almighty. Well, the rest of the story on Lisa, you want to hear the rest of the story? So Lisa goes in, and if you know my friend Lisa, she, she gets into the thing. They're getting ready to do procedure, which is a very awkward thing, right? And Lisa... She's, you know, on her side. They're ready to do the procedure. All the doctors, anesthesiologists, a couple of nurses there. And she says to them, well, listen, this is just how I roll. We got to have prayer before we do this. And so she's, she's on her side and she makes them grab hands. She didn't just pray. They all had to grab hands. And she said, and I knew they were praying because I peeked. And, and so she's praying and she peeks and she says amen and the anesthesiologist is right there and he's a short guy, bald guy named Jimmy, I think was his name. Lisa always remembers every name. And she, she rubbed his bald head and said, I'm bald too, bald is beautiful. I don't recommend doing that. But she did that and then they did the test and the doctor came out, you know, three tests all said she had cancer in her colon and the doctor came out and said... There's no cancer in your colon. Clean as a whistle. The doctor first said, well, yours is the cleanest colon I've ever seen. And Lisa says, well, sure, I had to drink that whole gallon of stuff. Of course it's clean. And he had to tell her, no, 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 that's not what I meant. There's no polyps. There's no cancer. There's nothing in there. And so he was crying her oncologist, a regular oncologist. So, of course, what did Lisa do in that instance? All right, we got to grab hands and pray and thank the Lord. So that doctor, he got double prayed for that day. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about our everyday, ordinary, eating, sleeping, drinking, going in for a colonoscopy, walking into a funeral home, going into a doctor, going into the principal's office, wherever we're at, it's showing the holiness of God. That's what we're talking about. It's not compartmentalizing our life. to Okay, this is my hour of holiness. It's saying my life, wherever I'm at, it's displaying the... You want to know everyday holiness? You don't want to know what it is? We sang about it this morning. It's being like Jesus. It's living our lives like Jesus. What did Jesus do? Well, Jesus went to the synagogue, right? Tell about that always in the, in the Bible. He, he went to church. Frequently, strangely enough, when Jesus went to church, what happened? He, he was confronted by the Pharisees, the holiness people of the day. And they, they were big into compartmentalizing. You know, you do this, you don't do that. You, you dot this I and you cross that T and then you're holy. And so they, Jesus went to, to church to worship and they went to church to fight and so they constantly were at odds. 
And, and they didn't like that Jesus, and Jesus, you know, of course, he, he went to the synagogue, he fulfilled the commandments, of course, but he didn't spend all of his time in church. In fact, he would probably say he had more fun because it seemed that when he was at the synagogue, he was at fights with the Pharisees, he had more fun just being with people. And the people he hung around with, the folks at the synagogue, the Pharisees, you know, they were like all up in arms. Oh man, if he knew those people, some prophet he is, I wouldn't be around those people uh, if my life depended on it. And Jesus hung out with the sinners, quote unquote. And it seems that Jesus didn't uh, preach at them, he didn't uh, hammer them, he talked with them, he ate with them, he laughed with them. Presumably he healed them. No place, no place, no place in the Bible do you hear Jesus say, hey, listen, I didn't see you at the synagogue on on Sunday. No healing for you. I didn't see you drop any money in the offering plate. Can't heal you, buddy. Never said that. It seems that holiness, yeah, holiness is, there's a part, certainly, of of following God's will and, and word, for sure. It's loving God, but it's also loving his creation. It's being with people. It's caring for people. It's not compartmentalizing, but loving, loving people. We talked about it. Part of holiness is living in a healthy fear. God is with us, in us, but God is also above us. It's not excusing sin or winking at sin or, 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 or you know, rationalizing sin away. It's trying, it's, it, it's, it's abhorring sin. But it's also, it's also, how do I say it? It's recognizing you're always on the clock. And some of you, you know, you go to work and you have to punch in, or maybe you log into your computer, you're on the clock, okay, this is my work time. And at the end of the day, that's not your work time. When I worked at the Nazarene Publishing House, on our breaks, we played wiffle ball. And sometimes the wiffle ball games, you know, bled over into work times, then a play time. But I think they understood, although they did go bankrupt. But I don't think that was the reason. It's saying we're all, be holy for I am holy means that we're always on the, will you be perfect with that? No, no, you probably you won't. But it's, it's recognizing that my best life lived is when I'm living it in obedience to God Almighty. The best life, my eating, drinking, walking around life, Right? Sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life is best lived when we're living it with the understanding that God is in us, with us, above us. That's what we're talking about here. It's interesting, the book of Leviticus was, was not written to an individual. Rather, it was written uh, for, the, for the whole community. And so when, when the writer of Leviticus is saying, be holy for I am holy, it's saying you people be holy. Not, not simply you mister, you missus be holy, but y'all be holy. And the people of it, they got away from that, that, that collective holiness. They got so far away, as you remember, the, the nation of Israel split into, had a, had a civil war, split into two, Israel to the north, Judah to the south, Israel, by the time the New Testament comes around, is called Samaria, Samaritans, you know, and, and everyone hates them. But, but it was actually once part of, of, of Israel. It was all one, one nation, and they split. 
And the nation to the north, Israel to the north, was, you know, they had gone against God, gone against God, gone against God, bad king, bad king, bad king, bad king. And eventually, in 722, the Assyrians came in and wiped them out. The nation to the south, Judah, was just a little bit better, a wee bit better. It had Jerusalem, but it wasn't much better. And they had a lot of bad kings as well. And eventually, in 586, it was wiped out by the Babylonians. Well, before, before the northern kingdom was destroyed, God sent a, a prophet quote-unquote a prophet, Amos, up to the people of Samaria, to Israel. Amos really wasn't a prophet. He said, I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet. He was a fig farmer, a, 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 a shepherd. And so God gave him the message to go. And so about 30 years before the Assyrians came in and wiped out uh, the nation, Amos, the fig farmer, turned prophet, went up there. And Amos, he didn't, you know, he didn't go to seminary. He didn't know the fancy words. He didn't know exactly how you were supposed to say it or, or do it. And so he just spoke. He just spoke like, like a fig farmer shepherd might speak. And again, I like the way the message version reads his indictment against the folks in the northern kingdom. This is what it says in chapter 4. Listen to this. You cows of Bashan grazing on the slopes of Samaria. I have yet to meet a woman who would want to be likened to a cow. Just, you know, this is, this is Amos, the shepherd, calling it like he sees it. You women, mean to the poor, cruel to the down and out, indolent, pampered, you demand of your husbands, bring us a tall, cool drink. Man, that sounds like Carla. No, that does not. She's not here yet. That does not. Okay, I'll be in trouble. But then he goes on to say this. This is serious. It is serious. I, God, have sworn by my holiness, be holy for I am holy. Be well warned, judgment day is coming. And it did come 30 years later. He goes on to say, and God hates their festivals. He hates their, their, their religious feasts. He hates all those things. Why? Because they were compartmentalizing God. They're saying, all right, God, you got this hour. We'll worship you here. You got that festival. But don't, don't step into any of our other business. Don't talk about how the way we do, how we operate. In fact, then in chapter 5, it goes on, quoting God. Amos says, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring me choice fellowship offerings, I have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I'll not listen to your music or your harps, but let justice roll like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. For Be holy, for I am holy. And they missed it. Collectively, they missed it. My brothers and sisters, we can't, we can't miss it. God calls us. He calls us individually to be holy but he calls us collectively to be holy. It's not just you and me and Jesus on the Jericho Road. It's us. It's us. The Apostle Paul went one step farther. Can you imagine? Could you, would you ever say this to someone? What Paul said in 1 Corinthians? He, he, he told the believers, you know, the, the Corinthian church is all messed up, total, terrible messed up church. And so this is what Paul says. You'd expect him to say, listen, you people, you need to start following Jesus. You need to, you need to straighten up and follow Jesus. Be like Jesus. You would expect him to say that, right? He's collectively, he's, he's writing to this church. But that's not what he says. Chapter 11, he says this. Follow my example as I follow Christ. 
follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Holy living is saying, listen, to your friends, to your family, to your coworkers, to the people you're around, saying, you want to know what a Christian's like? You, you, look, you look at my life. That's kind of a bold thing. Inviting people, put my life under a microscope. I'm going to live before you what it means to be a holy, holy life. It's saying for all of us, all of us, what our community needs, what our world needs. We pray all the time, you know, may your kingdom come and your will be done in Flint as it is in heaven. How is that going to happen? That's when we collectively live before our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers and the folks we go to school with a holy life. When we as a church behave in a holy manner. And I know we can do it. You know how I know we can do it? I know we can do it by something that all of us have met. All of us have accomplished this goal. All of us have done something incredibly hard. Every single one of us in this room, we've all done it. And you know what that is? We've all mastered the English language. Every one of us are fairly fluent in English. And how did you do it? You know, English is a hard language. Ask anyone who's, who learns uh, English as a second language. It's hard. It's a crazy language. You know, there's no ham in hamburger. There's, 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 there's no, uh, what, there's neither apple or pine in pineapple. It's a crazy hard language. There's no egg in eggplant. It's a hard language. One goose, two geese, one moose, two meese. No, no, no. Slim chance and fat chance mean the same thing. But a wise guy and a wise man do not mean the same thing. It's a hard language. Teachers taught, but preachers don't prot. I've never protted a day in my life. It's a hard language. And yet you've all mastered it. You've mastered it by the age of five. You didn't even go to school. You didn't even go to school yet. And yet you mastered it pretty well. How did you master it? Well, you mastered it. Because your parents and your siblings and the friends around you were saying it and talking it and modeling it and you followed after them. It's the same way with Jesus and holiness. If we want to be a holy place, you hang out with holy people. You, 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 you learn Jesus by hanging out, be holy for I am holy as a group, as we lived into this holiness, then that's compelling to our community. In fact, how did the Romans conquer the world? It wasn't through military conquest. It was through colonies. They would place uh, people in a, a, a foreign land, a foreign area, and, and they would live before those people the Roman way, the civilized, quote-unquote, way, uh, as opposed to the barbarian way, quote-unquote. And those people would say, yeah, we want to be that way. In the New Testament, Philippi was such a Roman colony. They placed people in an area and they didn't uh, uh, put them there to just be sequestered away from the community. No, they put them there to, to be an example for the community. This is how the Roman way is. And, 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 and it worked. Listen, the way to change the world is not through lectures on the truth. It's not through coercing people to be good. No, the way to change the world is establishing communities, churches if you will, that are worthy of imitation. 
It's being people of God, holy people of God, in the workplace, in the school, in our communities that display the character and the content of Jesus Christ. That's what we're talking about. Some people worry about the church. How's the church going to survive this crazy world in which we're living in? And it is crazy. Oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Church, 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 and pandemic and all the rest and everything's going. Listen, relevant churches for 2,000 years. This is, this is how churches stay around for 2,000 years. They sit around the community. They care for their neighbors. They, they, they love and they read and they work and they do the things of Jesus. You do that, you're going to be okay. And that's what we need. That's what our world needs. We pray all the time. May your kingdom come. May your will be done in Flint as it is in heaven. That means the people of God, you and me, living out this holiness, living out the way that God would call us to be, in that passage from Romans 12 where we began, he ends it, the, the NIV version, has the, the final part of verse 2 saying this. this after you, you've lived into this holiness, that eating, sleeping, going to work, walking around life, once you live into that, this is what the results are. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Isn't that what we want? We want to live into God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. You want, to, you want to be people that are living into God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. I thought about that. I, I thought, okay, who in the Bible, besides Jesus, would we say unequivocally, 100%, lived into God's good, pleasing, and perfect will for their lives? Well, and I thought, well, Moses, right? He was leading the children through... He was certainly where God's will would have them. Hosea, remember Hosea? He, he married, he, God wanted him to marry a Gomer, a, I don't know how to say it in polite company, a tramp, can I use that word? A prostitute? Certainly that wasn't his will, that was God's will, he was living into it. The apostle Paul, right? He was, we would all say God, the apostle Paul was living in God's will, but he was, he was chained in a Roman prison, what I'm trying to say is those people who were unequivocally living into God's will didn't have it easy. You know, that Moses is dealing with whiny people for 40 years and I don't know, uh, I don't know how Gomer, you know, what life was like for poor Hosea and Paul chained to a wall. And I thought about that, you know, but they were all, even though their circumstances were less than perfect, we're certainly not pleasing. We would say, say, this is not a great accommodations. And yet God was working. You know, we can complain about our condition of the world, or we can live into the life of holiness and be the people of God. That's my prayer for us. We've been praying it for now, what, eight years, that God's kingdom would come and his will would be done in Flint as it is in heaven.